If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Your money, your way. This service is powered by gifts. You're live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect. And so this week, something really unprecedented happened. Many have said before, and I've written volumes of literature on Parliament being a rubber stamp. Uh, since 1992, has been one of the major criticisms leveled against our Parliament. And so when on Tuesday, the MPP MPs, at that time, just over 80 of them, held a press conference and then called out their own president, demanded that he sacks his own finance minister and a minister of state at the finance ministry uh, immediately. Or else, guess what? They will boycott their own government's business in the house, the president's business. They will boycott it. There are many who felt, well, finally, Ghana's democracy is beginning to live up to the expectation. And we are redefining the frontiers of this young democracy. But if you held that view, you possibly may have felt very disappointed when just 24 hours later, the MPs did a massive U-turn. Let's sample what happened. Oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. It feel like sitting won't tell us we're too yeah. Oh, too babade, yeah. Plus, soli babade, yeah. And notice is hereby said that until such persons as aforementioned are made to resign or removed from office, we, members of the majority caucus here in parliament, will not participate in any business of government by or for a president. Looking back to all the years. I don't think it's in the interest of our side of government to remove our minister. But when push comes to shove, to save the party, the government, so whatever it takes. So many times you betrayed me and played me for a fool. Why don't we work together so the future will be brighter? Where you find ourselves today is about credibility. The IMF is not taking care of writers seriously. No. Another year has come. And now you want my trust once more. No. Did I say you want to tell me another story again? 
where you find ourselves today is about credibility. The IMF is not taking care of writers seriously, no matter what anybody says. Right? We have still not been able to achieve anything. If you're going to get any money to the system, probably in January or thereabouts. Mm. Right? But we are thinking this so-called mantra of we have the men, we have the men. It's like it's become a laughing stock. <laughs> but we do have the men. So President Kufano should deploy the men. Okay. What kind of education has Kufano got? What kind of exposure that has he that has he got that others haven't got? Okay. So sometimes by just putting a new face on the seat, we sort of bring confidence back to the economy, stabilize uh, the, the the markets for us, for us to be able to go to these negotiations, then we are running a democracy. Mm. They're not running a family dynasty. Okay. That's what people must get into their heads. Mm. This party is not just about a certain group of people or a, pe- or a person. Mm. This party is about all of us. If your people cannot live in unity, see why you keep on deceiving the people, my brother. The people who originally issued this statement, please, please say that the finance minister has lost credibility and therefore this was affecting the discussions and the pace and the outcome of the negotiations. Their whole statement was premised on the need for change now. So their more recent statement has now also added them to those who have lost credibility. Well, Two-Face Edibia there with that song. And by the way, my connectors are in the studio with me uh, with views of your own on, on the 10th of events now. So now, uh, as it stands now, um, we will have to wait for the uh, uh, the IMF negotiations to be concluded, the budget read, and maybe, maybe the president would either sack him or he may decide to resign. But there's another lifeline here. The minority members have started a, a vote of censure to this week. The Speaker of Parliament admitted that motion. Question is, so the MPP MPs went public and said, well, we want the man gone. They gave all manner of reasons for it. Some of them very, very strong. Well, the president asked them to, to give him time. Well, they have another option now. They have another option now. If they really, really want the man out, they can vote with the minority uh, to enforce the vote of censure. Do you trust that these MPP MPs will even master the courage in secret to vote for this? My connectors are connected with me in the studio and on Zoom right now. Uh, Foss is a Ghanaian living in the UK. He's a broadcaster himself. Uh, and I love the UK because very similar to ours, right? In the last few weeks, you know, They've had um, two prime ministers, uh, two finance ministers. One of them, uh, who also also bears a Ghanaian name, uh, was uh, was 
was sacked um, because he tanked the economy. And so we want to tap into that. Well, what is it about them that they move pretty quickly on these matters that we don't? We'll, we'll stay in the UK uh, for a while because we also uh, will be connecting to a, a few more Ghanaians who, who left there. Stephen Senyon is a, is a teacher, is a Ghanaian teacher studying in the UK uh, and connects on Zoom as well. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Evans. Great to have you. Great to have you, Stevie. I'm grateful that you could join me. Uh, Raymond is a youth activist. Raymond connects in the studio. Hello, Raymond. Hello, Stephen. Uh, hello, Evans. Sorry. Yeah, well, don't, don't, don't worry. You're connecting <laughs> with all, all of us, so it's fine. Uh, Frederick Brooks is a broadcaster also. Hello, Frederick. Hello, Evans. Uh, Felicity Nelson. Oh, my God. Felicity, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Long time no talk. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, Felicity is an activist. Yes, it's been. Uh, he's a, she's an activist and joins us. George Puku is also a Ghanaian. He's living in the USA. I'm pretty sure you know the midterms are up in the USA and the citizens are deciding the fate of these equivalent of our members of parliament there. Um, George, hello, George. George, thanks for connecting. Hello, Evans. How are you? I am. I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic, George. George, I'm pretty sure you'll be going to the polls to to vote to the midterms. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this pretty quickly. How that compares to Ghana? But I want to start with oh, you, Felicity. Oh, Fel- oh. Let, let me start with Fel- Felicity. What, what 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 do you make of the drama this week? Um. Okay. Uh, what do I make of it? Okay. So I think it's important to kind of put things in the right perspective. So on Monday. Then VC MPs, you know, filed a motion in Parliament. And then on Tuesday, the MPP um, MPs also decided, so the, the MPP, the NDC one was to have Kenneth Foriata removed. And the MPP also responded, ATMPs responded by also saying, you know, basically supporting the NDC move. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a good move. However, I was wondering, I was quite skeptical about their intentions. Because I felt that, you know, a lot of these MPs, for example, like Nana Ekufado, he has nothing to lose right now. You know, he's not doing another term in terms of, he doesn't have to come back for our vote. He doesn't have to plead, he doesn't need to beg Ghanaians to vote for him. A lot of these MPs are probably going to be seeking re-election, so they're still very accountable to their constituents. So they have to do, they have to be seen to be doing something, to be at least making some attempts. So I was wondering if they were doing it because they genuinely wanted Ken removed, or if it was because they need to, they need to, you know, do this game with their constituents to show that, oh, look, I'm listening to you guys, and this is the action I'm taking. However, they're going to, I think that the fact that they still took a stand is still important, is very good for our democracy, so I'll still commend them, even if if not all their intentions were um, clean, at least Ghana benefits from them taking that stand. So I think it's, it's a good thing. However, 24 hours later, you know, you come back and say you're going to give the person some more time after having a conversation with the president. So that, for me, actually speaks to the fact that you did, you took that action without being very clear as to what your objective was. Because in between those 24 hours, what could have possibly have been said to you for you to say, oh, actually, let me wait for him to finish. In the press conference, one of the things they said was that, you know, the IMF um, negotiations were not going so well because of Ken, and that's he's part of the reason why he's being slowed down. And then a day later, so you come back and you tell us that, oh, we're actually going to wait for him to finish having these negotiations with the IMF and then maybe remove that at a later date. So were you wrong before or are you wrong now? You know, did you not have your fact? Why would you take why would you take such a strong stand without checking your facts? So then that definitely makes me question their motives. And I think that it is it's very, very unfortunate because when they did take that stand, so many Ghanaians were with them, you know, um, um Ken Musco was like trending on Twitter and everything. A lot of Ghanaians want 
Ken gone. A lot of Ghanaians. There's more Ghanaians who want the finance minister gone than the ones who want to retain him. So mm. for them to have a conversation with the president and to come back the next day and say, oh, well, we're going to give him some more time. More time to do what? He's been there for six years. Why, why does he need more time? If what he couldn't do in six years, how is he going to do in the next few months? I mean, you, you ask a very fundamental question. You, you bring the point up about uh, many more Ghanaians uh, agree with their first action on, on Tuesday than, than they agree with their second action when they did a U-turn. Frederick, let me bring you in into this conversation. Something that Felicity said, it, it, this is about the people versus their representatives almost, right? I, I don't know if you, if you also position in the conversation around that because when you listen to them on Tuesday, they said the reason why they had to do this take this unprecedented step because when they took the they were on break they went back to their constituencies their constituents told them that this is what they wanted and so if the president wasn't listening to them then they had to go direct to their people through the media and say we want him out and then all of a sudden 24 hours it's changed back to listen to the president does it put does it pitch them strongly against their own constituents Evans, I would say that there is a huge disconnect between that of the executive and the citizens. I mean, I don't know whether it happens by coincidence. There have been several cases where citizens may have maintained a different position and a president also had a contrary position. Well, there had been a lot of times where some members of parliament or MPs or, I mean, uh, ministers of state have been pointed out for irregularities or certain uh, push out that does not really uh, inure or does not really give a reflection of what a minister is supposed to, I mean, actually be. Where the president has actually named them or labeled them or classified them as uh, outstanding. Uh, we, we can use a case of the health minister where the president mounted a podium to say that, well, this is the most outstanding minister. I mean, the same uh, narrative to that of the finance minister, it means that, well, the president does not resonate well with what the citizens hold. And I'm tempted to believe that there is this special qualities about the minister of finance that we are not seeing, but the president is the only one seeing it. And it becomes more problematic if uh, ministers, I mean, members of parliament had actually conveyed, I mean, on national television saying that, well, this are the grievances or these are the petitions from their various constituencies and this an unprecedented number of, I mean, members of parliament, 80 uh, members of parliament is not by an accident. I mean, so if at the end of the day, uh, we can even draw this narrative that everything was fine until these 80 members of parliament who, in fact, wanted to redeem themselves from the fact that parliament had been described as a Roman parliament. Well, everything was fine until they met the president, which uh, should actually bring a matter of concern. Because if the president is calling for calm, first of all, let's look at the initial position of the finance minister about the IMF. He saw the IMF as a no-go area. At the end of the day, I mean, IMF became something that was eminent for us to go. In fact, at the end of the day, the president is calling uh, for a minister who does not even believe or who never believed in a particular course to lead a course and seal the deal before, I mean, whether decision is going to be made, whether he should go home or not is made. I feel the president is jumping the gun. It's, it's, it's draw the narrative of uh, you thinking that someone is going to get married to someone and the person is a monster. You tell the, the, the 
father of the person that, well, your, da- your daughter is going to end up in the hands of a monster. I mean, the father tells you that, well, uh, wait, after the wedding, we'll look at that. I-, I think it doesn't make sense anyway. I think, I mean, we are in a position where there must be some contingent measures, uh, I mean, mm. to be taking place. And if the president is saying that after this, I mean, the ceiling of the IMF deal, that is where we can look at certain considerations. For me, it doesn't make any sense I mean, anyway. Raymond, which constituency are you in? What's your constituency? Uh, get to South. Oh, okay. So, so your so so your your MP is NDC. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure then you're happy with the way the NDC is handling this than what the MPP, MPs are doing. Uh, yes. I would or say, you think they are on the same boat on this matter? Uh, I'd say, but the point is that it is long overdue. This call should have been made a long time ago. While I would want to applaud them for standing with the people of Ghana, I believe that. Uh, these actions should have been expedited earlier before now. Now, there is one point that we must not belabor. The point is that the finance minister is a disaster that must be mitigated with a sense of urgency. Now, as a young person and for our fledgling democracy, when I heard that the a certain 80 majority MPs in parliament uh, have come out to say clearly that uh, they are not going to do any business on behalf of the president or on behalf of the government if the finance minister is not kicked out. You know, resonated with me very much that for once, you know, in our parliament, majority and minority MPs are collaborating with a sense of unity or with a sense of responsibility that they solely owe to the constituent, the people who killed and voted for them in power. Then just 24 hours later, now the number, the number increased from uh, 80 to 95. They come to tell us that they had a crunch meeting with the president. The president indicates to them, to them that they would have to allow the finance minister to read a budget. Now, the question that keeps recurring in my mind is that in 2021, when the, the finance minister okay, was taken ill, when he was indisposed, and when he was recuperating outside the shores of this country, was a budget not read in, in, in this country? Was a certain appropriation bill not passed in this country? Did government not dispense funds from the national treasury? And so what is this argument that the, the finance minister must be made to read a, a budget. All of the budgets that the finance minister has read. But he has to be prepared first, right? And they need his, his input. They've in, already probably started the process that he's supervising. In, in preparation of the budget, does the finance minister, who is solely a figurehead, prepare the entire budget himself? No, he does not. The, the point I was also making is that in the, in the previous years, when the finance minister read, you know, the uh, Ahunto budget and Kosovo budget and all of those, what did that add to the, the well-being of the citizenry. The only thing we saw was excruciating hardship. The only thing that, that those budgets brought to us was to rattle the financial market. The only thing that, that in the, the, he reading those budgets brought to us was humongous deficits. Those were the only things. So, so, you, so, so you're saying that on Tuesday, the MPP MPs won you over? 
Yes, yes. And yes. Then, and then on Wednesday, <laughs> you you sort of got disappointed in them again. I, I, I mean, you see, okay, it, it, that's it, a, that's an that's an interesting it, move it, swing it's there. It's a whole dilemma. Yeah, I guess it's, for, 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 stay, for stay with me. Let, 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 let me let me expand the call and bring other connectors okay. into the conversation. Okay. Yeah, Stephen is joining us from the UK. Uh, uh, Stephen, you you live in a country that has very interesting last uh, few weeks shown us how it should be, be done. Although, of course, they call this uh, political turmoil. You hear they, uh, they talk about it. But that's the turmoil that I guess if you speak to Raymond, Felicity and Frederick, they're rather welcome uh, when, you know, MPs have uh, deciding to resign or are being sacked than have one person in power who, as they suggest, doesn't represent the interest of the majority of the people. What's your take on this from your vantage point of of the United Kingdom? Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Evans. And it's been nice listening to Felicity and uh, my brothers in the studio on their interesting talk. Uh, I feel that uh, observing things from the UK perspective, what a huge difference I see the fact that people are ready to accept responsibility for their wrongs and, and, and pay the consequences. And you could see this not only from the recent uh, sacking or resignation of the finance minister or the Home Secretary, who simply sent an email from her personal uh, email address and has to resign for that. It's been the case in previous years where if people are entrusted into public office, it comes with a huge level of responsibility as well as accountability. And this is accountability not only from the states or from citizens, but also self-accountability, people holding themselves to high standards such that if you know that you have misconducted yourself grossly, you do not wait for someone to sack you and you uh, resign in good faith. And this has been the case uh, with Boris Johnson after all the time having to step down and uh, with the second prime minister. Uh, coming to what's happening in, in Ghana, I would agree with Felicity and what uh, my uh, other colleagues in the studio have mentioned, that there's no debate about uh, whether the finance minister should continue to stay in office or not. And that is especially because, in principle, this is someone who has, on several occasions, held views that are contrary to that of the president or the executive in general, starting from something like a free senior high school policy, where the finance minister thinks that he does not believe that people who have the means to pay uh, school fees for their children should be should, should have that waived by government, and uh, by principle, if you are in an office and you disagree with how things should go, you don't stay there and act against your own uh, principles and conviction. That is the first example. And the second instance that have been alluded to by my colleagues is he, as a finance minister, on record to have said that Ghana should not go to IMF because it, it will not go, it, it's not going to help us. And after making it categorically clear that the IMF is not an option, I think that at that point where the country has the heads there, uh, it was honourable for him as uh, the minister to resign and, and uh, accept that he has not managed affairs uh, well. But I, 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 it goes back to the point that people uh, are slow in accepting responsibility, standing by their principles and, and paying the consequences. But, but, isn't that, but isn't that why you have a parliament that is by design the checks and balances all established by its architecture to become a check on the executive so that the man himself, obviously, I guess the framers of our constitution anticipated that if you leave the man himself there, he won't resign. So it puts the power in somebody else's hands. In this case, the members of parliament who have been giving a power to activate a vote of censure, for example. Isn't that why that is there? Uh, 
So, Evans, I think that if you understand our political landscape, you realize that uh, the NDC and MPP political dynamics, it's, it's ongoing. And the fact that uh, this political rivalry uh, continues to, to rule affairs over, sometimes over national, the national interest, uh, continues to meddle in a decision-making process. And it, it was very bold and, and political action for the majority MPs to uh, take a bold stand. And I think, like the uh, others have said, they uh, deserve all commendation for that. However, uh, after meeting your head of government, who is responsible for making appointments, who would uh, put MPs on boards or uh, decide who becomes MP or deputy minister or who is serving on which position or not, I feel that the president continues to hold, hold enormous power such that the, the, the uh, ruling government's MPs do not have the level of independence they would have to carry out their, their duties because you wouldn't want to be on the bad side of your president. Yeah, but, but, uh, but, you, but, you, but, you, but you touched on you touched on a very sensitive nerve there that they, they really do not have the independence. And I want to bring in George, uh, George connecting with us from the USA. I mean, George, that, that's that's a really fascinating observation uh, from from from, from um, Stephen. There, do you agree? Hello, George. John, please unmute for me. I can see you're talking, but I oh, can't okay. Hear you. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yes, Evans, um, there are a couple of things. Stephen went back to, um, you brought about the Constitution. The Constitution was written at a time that we had somebody that we were scared was not going to accept that Constitution. So a lot of powers were given to the executive that the executive should never have had. That notwithstanding, we need to look at this situation quite closely. Nanado Danko Kufuado is asking for somebody that does not believe or is going to take Ghana forward to be kept in place to negotiate a deal for us that Ghanaians will have to live with. That is like the UK allowing people like Farage and co to take them out of um, uh, the exit, Brexit, and now um, you have people like Boris Johnson, Lestras, and things like that having to go through whatever was set up that they were not even um, totally sold out to now having to deal with the repercussions of it. When you start tracing the um, English issue, you would realize that most of the underlining thing comes from the Brexit. But in Ghana, let's come to the crux of the issue. One, the parliamentarians, the 80 that stood up and decided to hold that press conference, I think did not even have the constituents at heart. Because if they did, they could have had conversations with the minority and the whole um, vote of um, censure that is now tabled could have been tabled and we wouldn't have to go through Nana Dodanko Kufuado or the president or anybody to get the finance minister out if they really think he was underperforming and they wanted him out. It was it was just a show of it was just um something to make the constituents feel like they, they have their interest at heart. Because if they really did, no matter the amount of um, conversation that went on with Nana Dodanko and Kufuadu, they would have stuck to their guns and not say that they have made a U-turn now. They want him to stick around. This man does not believe in what he is doing. 
he is negotiating a deal that if we believe another than which personally I have my sentiments about. But if he is negotiating a contract for us that the country is going to live with, don't you think we need him we need him longer than him just negotiating and walking out? Because he knows that the, the foundation on which this whole thing was built. The budgets, like um, your panelist in um, in the studio said, has been read without him before, and he is not the one putting together the numbers. They put together the numbers, they present it to him, he sits in the room with them, they go over it, and at the end of the day, they come up and say, yes, we believe this is acceptable, let's go with that. So, all these excuses that are being given by these MPs tells me quite frankly that one, the interest of the constituents was never and will never be the interest of the politician. The politicians want to retain their seats. But George, let me challenge that a bit. On Tuesday when they called that when they called the press conference, whose interests were they serving when they called the press conference and, and, and made the demands that the president should sack him or they will not participate they in were, government? They were they were they were serving their own interest. Even what, even when was, what I'm okay. saying, it was just yes. Even when they were asking the government to sack him, they were serving their interest because they wanted to have plausible deniability that they do not condone with what is going on in the Ministry of Finance and what is going on with the economy. And the only way they can get that plausible deniability is to be able to be listed among those numbers that we are not in support of what is going on. We have your interest at heart because if they really did, 24 hours was not going to let them turn around. In other words, what happened on Tuesday was just a, a proper... Uh, they were, we, were, we were all being conned by these MPs. It wasn't It wasn't um, honest and sincere. That, that, that directly... Felicity, do you agree with that assertion? That even on what happened on Tuesday, it wasn't done because they had your interest at heart? Oh, like I said earlier, you know, if you are being led by conviction, you're not going to, because before this happened, surely they would have had conversations with some members of the executive, tried to probably seek audience with the president. They wouldn't have just gotten up, or just woken up in the morning and decided, 80 of us, let's go and do this press conference. And then for 24 hours later, nothing has changed. Nothing has, the, the people who wanted you to remove Ken haven't changed their minds. So why should the president change your mind? But I just, I wanted to also just quickly also touch on the fact that we keep talking about the IMF, but we don't even, Ghana has been to the IMF like 17 times, right? And the IMF is not, is not, is not your friend. Like we have these conversations a lot of the time, we, there's no nuance regarding like the fact that the IMS is, is, IMF is painted like a savior. Yes, they are not a savior, like the, the, the program. So even Ken disagree, not wanting to go to IMF. For me, it's something that actually, I, the only problem is he, he was being driven by um, his ego and he wasn't looking at the facts. You know, he didn't have much of a choice, but he just, he prolonged it. And that's, prob- that's part of the reason why we are where we are today. But it's actually a good thing. I hope that if we actually get our fundamentals right, we wouldn't need to be going to organizations like the IMF and being held to all of these programs. Because a lot of these programs do not inure to the benefit of the average person, of the average citizen. Like, the IMF is not here. They don't care about the well-being of Ghanaians. That's not what they exist for. That's not their mandate. So we have to we have to really appreciate that. But the thing is, until we get, uh, you know, our ducks in order, we start putting the right things in place. 
We will continue to be going to organizations like the IMF, and we're going to continue to see these problems. What is the point of going to the IMF 17 times? 17 times. If you had a child and you sent them to school and they failed 17 times, would you still be sending them to school? I mean, so, so let, let, let's, let's now switch just a bit. I mean, so all of you agree that the members of parliament, even on Tuesday, the MPP MPs who went public, they were not representing uh, your the constituents' best interest. They, they, this was all part of a, a setting smoke screen. If that's the case, then, and you put them there, you all elected these MPs uh, to represent your interest, what have you, the employers, done about it? Or what are you willing to do about it? I mean, because this has been, what... Um, several days now since this happened. Frederick, I want to bring you in here. Because ultimately, that MP who you're criticizing today, you employed him, right? So if you only complain on Twitter and radio, then what's what's the point of this? I mean, how much responsibility do you accept right. for how your employee is acting on your behalf? Right. Uh, Evans, with the trend of elections in Ghana, it will be quite d- difficult to, to hold um, some people by their horns because of some dynamics. It will shock you that the posture or the position of a party chairman can, can even go, I mean, will be quite con- contradictory or contrary to the initial position by our members of parliament. I have had some party executive threatening. Uh, um, some, I mean, members of parliament that they are going to lose their, I mean, their seat should they maintain their position that uh, the finance minister is sacked. I think that the fundamental issue is that we have a problem at hand. And I keep on talking about the contingent measures that we are supposed to put in place, how we are supposed to do away with certain things that we feel will not inure to the benefit of the nation. Um, this is not the very first time the members of parliament had spoken uh, to the president. And for me, when I watch the pusher of a very honorable, I mean, member of parliament, Apia Kubi, I mean, uh, you, you realize that they just wanted to paint the picture that the, the, the president was intolerable because they said that he had explored all avenue mm-hmm. uh, before coming on national television. And for me, if you speak to an elderly person, and uh, well, something you feel should be confidential or secretive, if you speak to an elderly person con- continuously, and he's not listening. That is where you come to public to speak. Now, at the end of the day, you spoke to the Ghanaian populace. And a lot of us resonated with the minister, I mean, with the members of parliament, especially when this, I mean, a very important arm of government had been, with all due respect, uh, caught up with a lot of controversies, uh, looking at the, the first fight on the floor of parliament, uh, I, mean, the, I mean, voting, uh, I mean, on the e-levy and whatsoever. And we have this very important opportunity to redeem, I mean, that particular arm of government. And they still seem to, well, give an impression that... Yeah, I mean, but it comes back to my question, right? I mean, it's okay to complain, but do we appreciate, do you appreciate that you have... You are, he is your employee. Yes. I mean, and that's, I'm just want to switch this right. on to the citizen. Right. This is a citizen conversation. Right. So we've complained the whole week. We're still complaining about the actions. Right. Okay. But, but, but that, 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 that doesn't change anything. Well, so if I, I mean, how much responsibility should citizens accept for what's happening? Yes. I, I really get your question very clear. It Did you even agree that you have to accept, like, part of the blame should be taken by citizens? Well, itself? we should accept because we live in a nation where people do not even vote based on policies. I mean, people vote because of food. People vote because of money. People vote Evans. because of yeah. Uh, several uh, give me a second. George wants to interact. Hello, George. Right. 
Yes, Evans, there is, there is a basic problem that we are all overlooking. You can blame the citizens for all you want, but ask yourself, when you were growing up, how much civic education was put on our TVs, GBC, on, on radio and things like that, that made us being empowered to do the right thing. Now, that amount of civic education is not going on because an educated um, populace is negative to what the politicians want to do because then these populists are going to understand what is actually going on. So the Ghanaian politicians want to keep the populace uneducated civically. And that is where we are. And that is why the citizens cannot be blamed because even though there is a proliferation of radio stations and things like that, that you can have programs in Chi, in, in, in Ever, in Hausa, in Ga, all of that. Nobody from the Ministry of Communication is spending the money to put civic educational programs on these radio Yeah, I mean, John, John, are you suggesting then, and I want to put this to everybody, that in the face of all that you, I've heard citizens complain about this week, that we are so powerless and helpless in the face of all that we are seeing? Stephen, first have a take on that question for me. Is it a suggestion? Like, yeah, you can't blame the citizens. So are we powerless uh, Agentless, as they call it, in the face of what is happening. Um, um, Evans. Yes, Felicity. Yes, I agree. We, you know, we're not angry enough. You know, we sit back, we say, "Hey, you go buy everything; it's gone up." You're like, "Hey, hey," and then we sit back and we do nothing. If it comes to like actually standing up, going to protest, people will not leave their homes; they can't be bothered, even though the issues are affecting them. But there's this sense of powerlessness that Ghanaians feel, and we don't even appreciate how much power we have. Do you think that if tomorrow a million people went onto the street to protest against Kenufuriata, it will be very difficult? For the president to say that he's not going to remove him, he'll be scared. He'll be scared. But you sit in your, what we do, and especially the middle class, educated ones, all we do, we have these little conversations, right? Little Facebook posts. But we're never really ready to stand up and be counted. And some of us, are, some people are just actually just waiting for the opportunity to also join the loot, to be part of the elite, so they don't have to have these problems. But we're not really, when it comes to us being angry and standing up for our country, standing up for ourselves, we, we rarely ever do that. And it's a real disappointment. So until we're angry enough, these politicians will continue to take us for a joke. The MPs will do what they did, because they know that when they did that, if they got to their constituency, and maybe if they were chased, like the way they chased, what's his name, the Suhum um, um, maybe next time they wouldn't do that again. We're not angry enough. So Interesting thoughts. I mean, Raymond, what, what, do you, what do you make of what Felicity just said there? That ultimately, we, yeah. we, we, we're just not showing enough agency. Yeah, Evans. And so I, I think that the Ghanaian people, the electorate, we have exercised our constitutional responsibility or duties by voting these people into power. And then uh, in the wisdom of the framers of the constitution, they know that uh, to the extent of voting representatives into positions of authority, there's very little we can do to checkmate them. Okay. And that is why the constitution makes provision for, you know, state institutions. That, that, that is why we have a uh, check and balances and all of those to be able to checkmate the people that we give responsibilities to and to ensure that they live up to those expectations, to those responsibilities and to those duties. And so for me, I, I think that it would be uh, unfair to apportion blame to the people who voted these people into into power, right? 
Now, uh, in the face of this excruciating hardship that we are experiencing, experiencing, you you would attest that uh, openly, publicly, you see people uh, exercising a vote of no confidence in this government by hooting at the president almost at every function. You saw the the, the show that was held in Accra recently. Uh, even in their own MPP, in their stronghold in the in Kumasi, when they are in their convoy, you see you see people hooting at them. The only way. Uh, I, I think that we are not doing really much as 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 a people. Is the anger we are not showing, the frustration, the agitation. We are not really demonstrating that we are fed up. Now you see, Martin Pebu, uh, Esquire, made a very profound statement during the weekend. He said that from time to time, right, the foundations of a democracy must be watered and soaked with the blood of patriotic citizen and that is the point where we have gotten to it is within, not to, within the confines of the law yes within the confines of the law let me say but that is where we are we are we've gotten to it is not to incite any form of insurgence but we must you know within the remit of the law register our displeasure our agitation our frustration you know, before I came here, right, mm-hmm. I was contemplating over something that really made me so angry, so What's frustrated. That? It mm-hmm. is a fact that, you know, uh, Ken Oforiata has developed a certain predilection for borrowing, such that every borrowing he does, the more he plunges into economic distress, the more his private company benefits. Okay. Well, well that, that's an allegation that went conflict of interest. It went to the Shraj. Shraj looked at it and and fundamentally Evans, came to Evans, a conclusion. You see, you see, we shouldn't that play the ostrich. There. Part see, we, of shouldn't it has play, gone we shouldn't play the ostrich. No, but yeah. I mean, when my, my point is fundamental. Yes, I get your it point. It has been adjudicated on by the by Shraj, conflict of interest in this matter, and has been decided. Yes. And so, yes, it, you know, can Uferiata actively hold shares yeah, I mean, in I'm, data it, bank? Yeah, I mean, what okay, that's my point is that me? my point is that repeating it is it's gone it's gone the full haul in terms of it's been looked at by the charge etc and even gone to the court yes and has been decided is it so, so, is... so 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 my point is what whatever you think about it yes the the court of competent jurisdiction the institutions and power to do so have already looked at it i mean so it, it won't change what the yeah, facts but are but 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 but, but, but just a second because of time i want to get steven quickly I, I, but I, I, just I, a second just a second okay. because i want steven to also just a second here yeah, go on go on okay Land from me, so it's, it's not just li- limited to that while I think his company is still benefiting from borrowing, the excessive borrowing that is going on, now, uh, the program that the IMF is going to be given to us, they are actually suggesting debt restructuring. Yeah. What that is going to mean for investors is that if you have treasury bill, if you have invested your yeah, resources... Yeah, you have to take a haircut. Yeah. I mean, let, let, let's, let's hear some of the social media comments as, as we wrap up because uh, my colleague... Uh, uh, that Tanya Lato is taking about with sports. Uh, yes, what are people saying on this matter as yeah, a wrap-up? So, this one is coming from me for, at Bubuashi. and says, um, our politicians like Ghanaians always put their selfish interests ahead of the country. So uh, I'm not surprised with the U-turn of the minority, uh, of the majority, you mean. And let us not continue deceiving ourselves. I feel uh, those MPs are part of people within MPP who are harboring some bitterness in them against the president. Uh, this one from Frederick says, you have a vehicle, you give it to a driver, you take it to Kumase, 
your driver is driving the vehicle recklessly, drunk driving. Some passengers gather uh, and ask the driver to do better and ask you to actually sack the driver. Then you tell them that, let's get to uh, uh, halfway through the journey. Let him complete the journey, then I can sack him. Uh, but th- that's the analogy that he's giving here. So as for the 80 MPs, the least said, the better. That's from Frederick Quant again. And the, f- the last one we were reading here is uh, Evans. And as much as we want to blame the members of parliament for their U-turn, let's consider it a note of caution to uh, I mean those that vote for them and the presidents. This is from Ben from Alajo. Evans, these are the messages that we have from okay, our listeners. Uh, listen, this is a conversation that definitely I know it, it evokes a lot of passions on the matter and we'll return to it uh, as we begin to examine um, what may happen or may not happen with this economy going forward. Uh, George, grateful. Uh, Raymond, uh, thank you very much for connecting. Uh, Felicity, always uh, exciting uh, listening to you on these matters. Steven and Frederick as well. Uh, Qatari Quest Quiz. Uh, is up next. The quarterfinals is uh, is up. Uh, people are winning some interesting prizes at the end of all this. Natanya Lato is next. have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. When it's clear, it is NASCO, okay? Now tell me, my son, yes, daddy. what do you want to be in the future? I want to be a footballer. The sky is the limit. Believe in you, you are a champion. I'm a champion. Champion. I'm a champion. Champion. Football season, you are a champion with NASCO. As NASCO Electronics is activating a full factory sales. Come for your best brand, NASCO. Best quality, best service. For this football season, you, your friends, and family can watch your games on the NASCO television. Televisions are satellite and comes with free decoders and 4K picture quality with HD+. Get yours from a NASCO outlet near you. Call 0242-439-437. You are a champion. Save your money and buy the best brand. NASCO brings home happiness.
It's here again. A night to celebrate. A night to wine, dine, recognize, and honor the very best in marketing. The 33rd CIMG Annual National Marketing Performance Awards is scheduled to happen at the Omanye Hall, Labadi Beach Hotel, on Saturday, the 29th of October. Traditional all-black tie event will be held under the theme Creative Marketing and Innovation in a Volatile Global Economy under the distinguished patronage of Idurenyen Enan, President of the National Institute of Marketing of Nigeria. The night of total bliss and celebration of marketing excellence will be a hybrid of an in-person and virtual event as we are still observing all COVID-19 protocols and not letting our guards down. Please note, the date is 29th of October. The venue, Omanya Hall, Labadi Beach Hotel. The time is 7 p.m. For corporate table reservations, call Nana on 0552-746-592 or 0242-307-801. CIMG Marketing means business. CIMG working for Ghana. Joy 99.7 FM God bless our homeland Ghana A super fantastic Friday indeed. My name is Nathaniel Atta, welcoming you to the final quarterfinal. <laughs> I like the sound of that. The last quarterfinal of the Qatari Quest Quiz, produced by Joy Sports and brought to you by NASCO. NASCO, bring home happiness. A strong set of three here in the studio across from me, ready to do the sporting battle. Of course, eventually, two of them are winning very big prizes and uh, booking places as well in the semi-final stage of what has been an interesting journey so far. How's your Friday evening going? Well, thanks to the Joy News team, Joy News editor jo- um, Evan Spencer for bringing us Ghana Connects. It's time to connect with all of the questions from the FIFA World Cup. None of us were born in 1930, but by the rules, you have to answer questions from 1930. That's what makes this exciting. So we're very grateful to our friends from NASCO, making this experience complete for all of our contestants. It 
In a few moments, we're going to go into the action. Big introductions from our contestants as well. And then when all of it is done, we'll cross over to the Labadi Beach Hotel for start of the Friday vibe in an energetic way with a multiple award-winning DJ Black from the Lagoon Bar, Labadi Beach Hotel. My timekeepers, good to go. My scoremasters, good to go. Chief producers, good to go. Social media team, uh, streaming on YouTube, also good to go. And that just tells us that it's ready to fly right here on Joy 99.7 FM. My name is Nathaniel Atto and I'm your quiz master. And just before we start it all off, you see all the Prosec boys have been wearing the, you know, polo shirts, eh? Yeah, 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 Charlie. Look, 